Good morning. Yeah, it is morning, and welcome back to this. It's not a history lecture. lecture. Yeah. Um, I don't it's, know. How's your morning been? It's well, I say it's good. bright and early, but it's literally like nine thirty-seven because of other work six days a week. Um, I yeah. woke up at six thirty this morning and oh, I could not go back to bed. Wow! And I, I realized that a lot for you. I don't think I'm going to be able to sleep in the entire summer now because the one day I have to sleep in is Sunday mornings, and my body's on such a strict schedule the rest of the week that I can't. You're like a five-year-old. I know, and it sucks. <laughs> in high school, I used to be able to sleep till like two in the afternoon, but it's also because I'm a night owl by nature. I'd yeah. rather be up late at night working because mm-hmm. I'm more productive during those hours. Yep. But alas, I cannot. Yeah. Well, it's, it's shit changes when you get a nine to five, doesn't it? Mm. I'm scared of that day. It's that eight to five. That one yeah, hour that's makes a rough. huge difference. I know. Waking up at six thirty versus like seven thirty, seven forty-five is a huge difference. Well, frankly, I think eight to five shouldn't exist because why are we not paying people for lunch? I think that's dumb. Like <laughs> you have to take a lunch for it to be. What do you like? Oh yeah, like, like take I don't the take hour. A lunch. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and like so that's they the have thing to pay too. me. That's that's yeah. the good thing. But that's the thing. I would like not want to take lunch, but then there's like the rules of like no, you have to. And it's like, well, fucking pay me. Honestly, if I'm being real, I think that you should be compensated since the second you walk out your door to go to work. I kind of do too. Like if you have to commute really far, I know some people give like per diems yeah. for gas and stuff. Why are we talking about per diems? Oh my um, god. Oh, we're so old. But yeah, I'm no. I'm stressed about having to work. Uh, I know. It just does not sound like a fun time. But well, the, other than the that. The thing is, because it's like the nine to five, like that was put into place to guarantee like, okay, you know, you have these work hours, like these are the set ones, mm-hmm. but freaking companies just don't want to actually pay people. So they're yeah. like, let's see how we can get the most, who's doing, who's being productive at 8am? Right. No one. Oh, let me tell you, I am not. I'll I'll zone out for like 10 minutes and just stare at my computer screen. And then I realize that I've been thinking about like ducks for 30 minutes. No, exactly. No one, you're not awake. You're not having, anyway, before I get into that. (laughs) No, like there's also that whole, like the nine to five was established before the expectations for a job were different. Like Mm -hmm. my dad works the the eight to five, five, but he like, the problem is that now he's expected to take all that home work home with him yeah. and whatever he's salaried, but like, it's not mm-hmm. like he doesn't finish his work. He always does, Yeah. but he'll like have to work in the afternoons. He'll work through the weekends. Like my yeah. dad hasn't taken a day off probably in years. Like, I know. Well, like, the thing even is even vacations, he has his laptop and he'll, every night he sits down when we're going to bed and he checks and I'm like, dad, I feel so bad for you. This right? is capitalism at its worst. Oh, God. Well, like, you know, the eight to f- or the nine to five work week, the 40 hour work week was developed by Henry Ford for like factory. Yeah. Not like actual office settings. A lot of people think like, Oh, if you're working in an office, it's like 20 hours a week that you're Mm. actually being productive Yeah, because the rest of the time you're just screwing around because spending nine hours a day Mm. trying to, quote unquote work it's, it's no one's it's not no one's physically working. possible yeah. to literally be so tuned in that you are a hundred percent productive all nine of those yeah. hours which is why like the whole work from home thing people are like why do why why does my company want me back yeah. like a lot of people are like we're being more productive here yeah why do they want us back in the office 40 hours a week yeah. like what is that because america is a factory yeah. ford would be very proud it's a factory and it's capitalism true. is death um <laughs> yeah well the thing is is like there's so many because you know, when you transition to work from home, you just have to have office space for like meetings 
and yeah. clients and that kind of stuff. You're saving on rent. Mm-hmm. You're saving the environment because pe- not as many people are traveling. Yeah, which we love to see. Mm-hmm. You're making like family foundations better because yes. people can actually be at home with their kids. And it's both a hit and a benefit to working mothers, I think. Yeah. Because there's an expectation about like your children can stay home, but like children are a very demanding time thing. So it's like taking them to daycare even if you're working from yeah. home, it can be a benefit, but also, like... For sure. Well, especially those those young kids, like, you know. But, you know, once they're in school, easy peasy. Anyway. In theory, my my little <laughs> sister... Love you, Abby. Um, my little sister was a bit of a chore for my mom through her uh, fourth grade year. Well... She'd be homeschooled. Well... Yeah. That's a unique situation, though. That the is majority of general. the population yeah. is not homeschooled. <laughs> yeah. But I have my tea, so it is a good morning. Cat doesn't have her tea. Is that a Minnie Mouse cup? Mm-hmm. Wow. I had a, a high school friend who gave it to me for a Secret Santa. Nice. That's not what I would give you for a Secret Santa. I love it. It's nice and big, so it fits like tomato soup. You can put a whole thing of tomato soup in here. Well, that's good for you. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I woke up at like 8 to finish up notes, but... So I feel like I've been awake for like 20 hours, but I know. it's only been two um well and then you know how you're saying the other day that like if you have work that day you can't do anything in the morning before it Mm -hmm. i'm gonna feel that hard i know i it's so frustrating because like i've been working a lot in the afternoons Mm -hmm. and that just means like from the hours of like when i wake up which is usually nine or ten to one two sometimes three p.m i'm just like what do i do with myself <laughs> i know well, it's like this you're morning like, it's really hard to do anything productive yeah yeah like this is was the best time for us to record this episode this week mm-hmm. and it's like does it suck yes. yes like is it weird to do this before i go into work but also like when the hell else are we gonna do this you i know? know we've both been very busy very and we had to get this ready before fourth of july because we're both going home yes so happy we're fourth recording of two july we're doing another one on wednesday yeah so Good times. Good times. Good times. But yeah. Yeah. We're here to bring you our Father's Day theme. Father's this Day. Week. Woo-hoo. Happy it's a late. Father's Day, Papa. Happy Father's Day, Dad. Woohoo. Um, hopefully my dad doesn't hear uh, my rant about capitalism just a few minutes ago and get very upset. Oh my dad knows. <laughs> my dad knows too. Yeah. He'll probably just be like, whatever. I know. <laughs> Honestly, my parents both hate how much we chat in the beginning. And I'm like, my mom is very much like, no, podcasts should be scripted. They need to be just the information, no other talking, no funny business. And I'm like, but that's boring. <laughs> I can see both sides of it. I tend to skip the chit chat at the beginning. If I'm like just listening for the information, I'll I'm one of those people yeah. who skip ahead. Yeah. But like, like the podcast I listen cold to yeah. feels too I know. formal. Well, the podcast I listen to, like, to help me with research, mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm like, okay, I don't need to know about your lives. But the podcast I, like, actually listen to right. regularly, I, I'm like, okay, these are real people. Yeah. And it makes it more fun and engaging, I feel. Which is why our show is formatted, formatted like this. Yeah. You can always skip ahead. We usually talk for well, about 10 minutes. We try it to, yeah. Sometimes we have a hard time focusing. Yeah. Um, I mean, you, we just got to get it out of our system. Yeah. But so, yeah. sometimes, yeah. So just, so just skip ahead. If skip ahead. If you don't want to hear us chat, yeah. skip ahead. Skip ahead. And yeah, I have an announcement, a very pretty awesome deal. What? 500 downloads. Oh, yeah. That's half of 1,000 downloads. <laughs> Thank 
you for the math, Kaylee. That's a very big number. That is. Thank you, guys. That's, Y'all are awesome. Yeah, that's insane. Y'all are the best. This is... Simply the best. I, I told Kat, but when I was in Denver, it was crazy because I had noticed that, like, oh, we had a couple downloads in Denver. And I was in Denver, a place I had never been before. And I was like, someone could potentially know me from here. They, it won't happen, but the potential is there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was like... Someone could, like, approach me on the street. I don't know if I like that. That's a lot more than I'm used to. <laughs> I mean, gotta keep you on your toes. It's true. Well, there's no, like, pictures of us officially released anywhere, so... I don't think it would be hard to find us. No, it definitely wouldn't. It would wouldn't. not be. Um, I'm not some sort of secret on the internet. <laughs> but we've never officially put out a picture of ourselves. No, but we probably so, should. That's because I don't have a decent headshot of myself, which is going to be a problem for resumes next year. <laughs> Unless I'll than take a year. your headshot. I told you that. Yeah, I need to go do that. We'll do that when it cools down a little bit. Yeah. It's too hot. <laughs> the problem is, is every time we take pictures of Kat, she's always like dressed in <laughs> period clothing. <laughs> you got like the full corset and, like, on. I, you, can't, you can't have that as your no. headshot. Only if you were like, Applying to a living history museum or something, yeah. You're like, wow, this girl's committed. She did her headshots. She did her headshots in a corset. (laughs) In period clothing. (laughs) No, you can put on a normal shirt and I'll take a headshot of you. That sounds good. And the other people, well, I know that two other people expressed interest in headshots. Yeah, because everyone needs them. Yeah. And I have the camera. I do I've, technically have a headshot, but I think for our casual history podcast, headshots are not the best way to do mm-hmm. a face reveal. Wow, Kaylee, really? I thought yeah. that was like the perfect idea. Yeah. So. I hate to break it to you. Yeah, that was actually a really <laughs> fucking dumb idea, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't even have a headshot, but say lovey. We'll, we'll get that done I eventually. think you're just stressed about headshots, and that is unrelated to the I conversation like about face. face reveal. Yeah, I don't want people to see my face either. That's gross and disgusting. This is my... I look really rough today. I haven't showered. Um, But yeah. Yeah. So cool. Father's Day episode. Yes. Father's Day episode. Yeah, I know. We're going to have to stop ourselves from chatting because... I I don't know. I think we're both in the mood to just ramble about literally nothing at all. Today is iffy. That's why we shouldn't shouldn't record in the mornings, but we need to. (laughs) I know. I'm so Um, tired. I say go for it, Kat. Okay. What do you have for us today? Well, none of you will be shocked to know that I am, to find out that I am doing Martin Luther today. I am 100% not shocked. In fact, when I was originally compiling episode ideas, like when we first started, I literally wrote down the Reformation dash, Kat should probably do this one. (laughs) (laughs) I've mentioned it before, yeah, but um, I was raised LCMS Lutheran. Um, I, I'll make the disclaimer that I do not agree with a large part of um, organized religion right now is not my best friend in the whole world. Um, I'm struggling to reconcile that with some personal beliefs. and um, Well, the thing is, is like, so you have Catholicism. That's old, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then you have Lutheran, and that's, like, the second oldest, even though it's only been, like, 500 years. Well, but, like, it's still very old I mean, old the oldest is probably, it's Confucianism, isn't it? No, I'm talking no, about no, no, Christianity. No, oh, oh, yeah. Can, yeah. No, obviously, I know that there's yeah, other religions. Like, <laughs> well, it's not the oldest. I hate to break it to you. No, um, within Christianity. Yeah. Well, like, there's, like, even, 
LCMS Lutherans are like the conservative Lutherans because there's ELCA. There's a bunch mm-hmm. of different kinds, but yeah. like even for LCMS, I was raised in a conservative church. And then in some formative years, the past few years, my parents uh, were attending a very conservative one. Mm-hmm. And it was so conservative that I took some major issues with what was being taught, especially about women and gender roles and stuff like that. So I don't know what I consider myself. I am working on that, but I was raised LCMS. So I'll note that there's a bit of an implicit bias there. Um, I mean, it's also why my dad likes talking about Martin, Martin Luther. Like yeah. my dad used to teach like a Sunday school class on Martin Luther. Like, yeah. and he, he's, he knows way too much. <laughs> like my dad should be the one doing this, not me. Honestly, um, my dad should be the one doing this too. We should have maybe next year. Yeah, we can have our dads. Let's get our dads in a room together. I don't know how that would go. <laughs> <laughs> my dad gets along with everyone, so like I'm sure he would love to do that. Yeah. See, the thing is, if because you have said several times that you were just like your dad. Yes. If your dad is that like aggressively friendly to my dad, my dad will be like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> <laughs> my dad is very friendly. <laughs> My dad and I are very similar people. Um, yeah, but yeah, my dad is kind of like he's not rude or mean or anything. But I don't. Know, I just feel like he would be like, "This is a lot. This is a lot." <laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I, I people have that reaction to me quite often, and I can see it in their eyes. Like, like what the hell I know. Well, is I, this girl? Well, our friend Emma now, because my friend Emma, who I've known for a few years now, mm-hmm. and Kat obviously I've known for a long time too. They're like very similar people they have mm-hmm. a lot of the same interests so for like a long time i'm like y'all need to meet mm-hmm. and so they like finally met and then emma was like i want to hang out with cat more but i don't want to come on too strong and i was like emma it's impossible <laughs> to come on too strong with cat like <laughs> that's like literally you can't you do can't. it <laughs> you can't you could i could meet you for 10 minutes and you'd be like oh my god you want to hang out and i'd be like yes <laughs> new friend <laughs> i am i like to think i am a golden retriever of people oh no you're gonna be one of those tiktok boys <laughs> I'm just, a golden retriever. People just make me happy, and I feel like I, I also grow. Well, I would believe retriever. it from you more than I would from these like little random oh. fifteen year olds on TikTok. Well, I also had a golden retriever for a long time, and I just emotionally bonded. She's my spirit animal. She's passed now. Rest in peace, Bella. But I feel like what a good she's girl. guiding me through life with her spirit. <laughs> she's my spirit animal, like literally, but not in the annoying way. Oh, like she's like. A like, spirit, my spirit animal. animal. Like she's my little, she's my little. She's your little ghost of companion. Yeah. Maybe she hangs out in the house with you. <gasps> That'd be so sweet. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So <laughs> we said we're gonna stop rambling, but here we are. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that marks that. I, I just would like to make that disclaimer that I have a little bit of a bias. I grew up hearing about Martin Luther and raised in the religion that his beliefs kind of started. But I'm also not a theologian. I do not have a degree in theology or religion. Um, There are theologians who could give you a very in-depth story and outlook on theologians that can give you a whole class on Martin Luther and the Reformation. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to get super deep into the theology because that's super complicated and I don't want to misrepresent any of that. Well, I think, too, because it's hard. Because, I don't know, we've had a very, like, well-rounded education where stuff like theology is incorporated with history. Right. So I think for us it's a little hard to, like, pull out what is the history. Because, like, right. theology is, like, well, I mean, I'm important gonna... to the discussion. Yeah. 
but it's not like history. So it's like, what do you right. focus on? You know? Well, I'm definitely going to mention some of the theology because it was a yeah. huge part of his life and yeah. what caused his life to be the way it was. But yeah, I'm not going to go into like depth and analysis of all yeah. of his writings today because that is a different podcast. Yeah. I was just saying, cause I, I struggle with that too. Mm-hmm. It's like when there's a multi multifaceted thing, it's like, what's the history, right? You know, it's like a politician who's like historically important Right. And it's like, I don't need to go into every one of their right. yeah. policies, but I do need to know the history of what happened to mm-hmm. the person. You know, anyway. So, so yeah. yeah, no, that's, that's my disclaimer for the day. So we're going to start off and end. Is that a word? I was going to say. And um, in. I combined two words. You there. said end. <laughs> and then you stopped for a long time. I was like, was I, that it? I couldn't figure out <laughs> what word I just said. So uh, let's go back to. 1483, the 10th of November in Eisleben, Martin Luther is born. So our story begins. Oh, this is fun because Kat kind of speaks German, so she can say all these names. <laughs> kind of. Better than I can. We'll see. Um, <laughs> yeah. His parents were Margaret and Hans Luther is how it was pronounced there, but, mm-hmm. you know, we pronounce it Luther. Um, they were peasants, and his father was a copper miner. They kind of moved the whole family to Mansfeld, but you know time period people are going to die from the plague including some of his siblings as they do just you know everyday life um but luther was they being a copper miner his father was like dead set that his children would have a good education especially luther that he wanted him to have a consistent job i mean copper mining was lucrative enough to support a family but it was kind of cyclical almost like it came in popularity came in waves and stuff yeah, so he sense. wanted something that was like consistent and financially stable for his sons so early on they sent luther to latin school um and his dad really wanted him to be a lawyer so his education was it started around seven years old which like for us is like well that's kind of late like you know preschool standardized schooling now is different but (laughs) i don't know why i thought you meant like his lawyer education started at seven (laughs) when you were like wow that's kind of late i was like what do you mean (laughs) it's like do lawyers start when they're like three i don't know (laughs) no 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 yeah i said that kind of misleadingly no it was funny (laughs) but yeah so like I mean, by our terms of education, you're also not having to learn, like, calculus to get a high school GED, you yeah. know? Um, but when he's 13, they've already sent him to the University of Erfurt to study law, so, like... Oh, okay, so he was starting yeah, early on like, the law degree. Okay. Yeah. Wow, he's, he moved up fast. He, Good for him. Yeah, I don't think, like I said, you didn't have to complete yeah. a bunch of studies either yeah. in things you knew you weren't going to study. Mm-hmm. Like, it was almost, like... So they're like, they're like, yeah, this 13-year-old can go to law school. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's weird because, like, vocational teaching, like, I knew in high school I was never going to touch math or STEM science again. Yeah. But they wouldn't let me skip out of those classes because it's part of, like, curriculum, required curriculum. Yeah. And I could have, I know they want us to keep those options open in case we want to do something later in life. But, well, like, I knew. So I could have vocationally chosen like classes like history that would have let me specialize as early yeah. as like sophomore year. No, and that's fair. And that's, you know, it is frustrating to a lot of people to like have to do those classes. But I honestly see the value of making kids take those classes because it is, it offers a very well-rounded education. I do see that. I because, see the benefits. Because, you know, if like a program had let 
a 15 year old say i'm never taking a history class again mm-hmm. and then they be like become a doctor and are like super racist because they don't know history that's okay well, you know the what liberal i mean arts are also different foundationally to an education than math once yeah. you pass a certain level of that's math, true you know i do i do agree with the calculus thing like there's no reason that yeah people who are like no i'm not gonna do math have to take calculus right especially not at a college level well and i also i also came from an area where like the pressure to take everything ap and advanced was incredibly high so like i ended up taking pre-ap and ap i tried to take ap calculus you know me in math i can barely do basic algebra and i'm sitting in this ap calc class and i was like i know i'm never using this why am i like and that was the first time i ever like realized that i actually had a say in my education i didn't just have to do the best and it's like I think that pressure in certain in certain classes and un- is yeah. unneeded. Like I agree with the math thing. I knew. Yeah. I knew never. But things like writing, reading, rhetoric, history, those are foundational. Yeah. So Well, <laughs> I took AP calculus and I actually passed that test, which is insane. I did take AP chem, did not pass that test. <laughs> yeah. Uh I don't know. For me, I took those more to, like, challenge myself. Like, I very consciously took... I, like, signed up for a- Calculus AB. And I was like, no, I'm bad at math. Like, I'll just stick with the easier class. And then, like, halfway through the summer, I was like, you know what? No. I'm going to challenge myself. And I took PC and I passed it. So, I, I don't know. I guess for me, because I have that, like... Or I had... Emphasis on had. <laughs> that motivation in high school to do those things. I, like, saw mm-hmm. the benefit... But I understand it being very frustrating. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I go back and forth on that one. Anyway. But yeah. So vocational basically already when he was young, his dad was like, I know what you're going to do. We're going to put you on this track early. Um, He was really smart and he was really good with public engagement and debate, which would come in handy later. I was going to say, that's not surprising. (laughs) Yeah. We saw that coming from a mile away. Um, He's doing really well at university and... There's this story, um, I don't know if it's been validated by any of his writings or the stuff he talked about when he was older, if he told this story, but the story goes that in 1505, he would have been 21 at the time, he was walking through a huge, like, thunderstorm, like, huge, massive thunderstorm, and there was a bunch of lightning that was, like, striking the ground near him, and he was freaking out. Um, It's so terrifying to him that as he's running through the storm, he starts pleading basically like saint anne i will become a monk i will become a monk protect me like okay yeah I've he's heard like this, i've out. heard this story yeah. yeah yeah and he makes it out of the storm alive but it was after that that luther gave everything away joined the monastery and became an augustinian friar nice so like he got out of that storm and he was like well said i was gonna do it gotta do it <laughs> he's a man of his word he was um but i think it also says something about the fact that the religious influence earlier in his education probably gave him, he was probably already leaning towards something in religion or theology and was like, yeah, this was a a breaking point moment for him. Well, I mean, honestly, I can't believe him from not liking law school because he was there at 13. (laughs) You know, that's fine. (laughs) If there's one way to make someone hate something, it's to make them do it when they're 13. (laughs) Well, and I mean, if you put a religious influence in someone's teaching and education early on and then like, they, oh, no. they have a rapturous event happen while they're walking home. Like, I mean, you're going to... Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, no. Oh, no. I'm not saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I know what you're I'm saying. Just, yeah. I'm making a bad joke. <laughs> no, I, I got you. Um, huge disappointment to his parents because they were like, we were training you to become Damn a it. lawyer. You're going to be our retirement fund. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so his dad was not particularly happy about this, um, and he knew it when he made that switch. He was like, yeah, they're not going to be happy with this, but like, (laughs) you know. But he got officially ordained in 1507. So Luther, as a monk, took on a lot of practices that not every monk did. Um, And I mean, the Catholic Church at this time is also teaching things like indulgences, works righteousness, which encourages the idea that you get to heaven by your deeds by your good deeds Mm -hmm. um and indulgences weren't even like i think they were outlawed in germany at this time or they weren't a common practice um uh but luther also did things like fasting and uh self-flagellation and stuff because like you were sacrificing these things for god so they would get you to heaven they counted almost as these good deeds okay i didn't know he did that i always thought self-flagellation was like more of a fringe thing. No, like it was, it, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe and like later it becomes more of a fringe thing. I know might. fasting has been around for forever. Yeah. That's very commonly practiced, but. Yeah. Well, most of these practices that he's doing, like starving himself and stuff, yeah. he realizes that he's doing them out of fear for God and mm. fear of eternal damnation and punishment. And it's around this time that he starts thinking like, huh, maybe like, maybe God wouldn't be like you know <laughs> like that upset if yeah, i did like, like try to kill myself every day <laughs> basically and he's like maybe like working through good deeds is good but it's not like how you earn a spot in heaven maybe god is like the only way we can get to heaven you have to like just have his blessing you know like ah, maybe some radical ideas here um so eventually he gets orders to become a professor at wittenberg Mm. That was awful. I am not going to do that again. It's pronounced Witten. It's written in English as Wittenberg, yeah. but it's Wittenberg. Yeah. I just remember our one professor talking about this and her saying Wittenberg. Because <laughs> she's like, well, she's from Scotland, but she yes. teaches German. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is awesome. She's so cool. Hearing, like, I love her. A Scottish lady speaking a German accent. I'm like, It's fantastic. It always threw me off. Yeah, I know. And that, sorry, I just had a really big flashback to yeah. large group. <laughs> it was good. Good class. She had the best classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, he was he's a professor there. And in 1512, he's made a doctor of theology. Um, and he's kind of further looking further into that idea that you become righteous by God's gift of faith. You know, maybe, like, you don't have to be worried about, like, earnings your way into heaven and stuff and he kind of looks at the church more of as a community he doesn't like some of the practices that are kind of exclusionary and predatory like the selling of indulgences which i mentioned that earlier um basically selling indulgences is like hey if you want to get to heaven faster and you don't want to be stuck in purgatory um and purgatory is kind of like this space between heaven like living and heaven Mm -hmm. um where you're kind of just like stuck in the middle until you can get to heaven Mm -hmm. which is decided by how good you were in life or whatever um basically he's saying like hey if you're alive you can pay money now and -hmm. it'll give you like these papers or you well he's not saying that the church is saying saying yeah Mm -hmm. um they're saying basically like if you buy this piece of paper or you go visit this sacred thing you can knock years off of your time stuck in purgatory Mm -hmm. or if there's someone in your family who died and you want to make sure that they're not in purgatory forever you can buy indulgences for them yeah and that was like a big money maker for the catholic church yeah like there's a reason why they got all this fancy crap yeah (laughs) because they scared people Mm -hmm. they're like you're 
beloved husband is going to spend 600 years in purgatory unless you give us three thousand dollars right now (laughs) well yeah and luther's like maybe this is not uh correct he's like uh where in the bible do you see this because confused (laughs) yeah Um, because that's a i mean i'm sure you'll get to it but the whole like not being able to access the bible was a big deal Yeah. yeah um and i mean like you said, it's pretty like, where in the Bible is this? Yeah, like, yeah. And he, he was learning Augustinian theory, um, who is someone we should definitely talk about at some point, who lived between 340 Augustine. and 430. Um, He's going to steal some pears. What? He's steal our pears. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know. That's all I know about Augustine. He stole you know some what? pears as a kid, and he spent the rest of his life, like, crying about it. <laughs> Well, Augustine had this idea that the Bible has more authority than kind of... This is an insane bastardization and easy way to take this interpretation. But basically, like, the Bible is the authority, not like necessarily the church officials. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like acknowledging that interpretation can be a little bit off. So that, like these church leaders yeah. are not 100% like yeah. infallible, you know? What is that? It's like the tech... It's like pro... No. The like... Uh, solo scriptura yeah solo scriptura yeah yeah which your girl was raised on that shit yeah. <laughs> um, what does that mean cat tell us a scripture alone yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well I'm we'll saying, get to it yeah i'm just gonna like say weird stuff i know <laughs> not explain it <laughs> well it's well, again you had to tell me because to me yeah that's mm-hmm. yeah i know that like i grew up with that so yeah yeah um, i learned that in college I mean, like, the yeah. ideas there and, and the churches I went to when I was younger. But like, learning, like, the Latin. Yeah, but, like, no like, one was okay. ever like, oh, yeah, solo scriptura. No. They were like, we're going to sing songs. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, fair. It's still a form of praise. And oh, worship, no, it so, is. Like, but yeah. I'm just saying, like, they weren't teaching us Latin. <laughs> yeah. So um, all these indulgences and things. Wait, I was on Augustine. Oh, yeah. So this Augustinian kind of branch of thought is what gets Luther thinking that like, hmm, maybe people can't get themselves into heaven, but God has to be the one to bestow the salvation on the people. Mm-hmm. Um, like you can't do nothing. Yeah. And it's not a predestination thing. Like God knows already. Yes or no. Like mm-hmm. Lutherans believe in like free will and all that. But um, yeah. And the indulgences thing, he was not, I mean, he knew it was happening, but like he didn't see a whole lot of it in Germany until he mm. went to Rome Gotcha. on kind of like a pilgrimage and he was like what the hell is going on here <laughs> like there was a ton of it and he was absolutely disgusted by it so um the first time that luther really decides to make a ruckus is 1517 on all saints eve which is halloween um when he speaks out against johann tetzel um tetzel is a dominican friar tetzel tetzel what um, a guy I, I just, you know, I know that these are, like, very serious figures in history, but, like, I just can't, I just keep picturing their little bald spots on their heads, <laughs> and their funny little haircuts, and I'm like, hee, hee, hee. <laughs> like, the, the, oh, fri- the, the, the friar the, cut. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Fair. Uh, I get that. So, yeah. And Luther's not a fan of his, because Tetzel is, starts selling indulgences in Germany. Well, at least, like bringing them back to germany ah, and he said not in my country exactly and like socrates at a party nice <laughs> luther decides to start fights nice. um not really a fight at all he just writes out a set of propositions and ideas about a debate on indulgences at the university of wittenberg and 
Luther's like basically pulling that whole like, yeah, where is it in the Bible? I need to stop playing with that. That's going to make sound. Sorry. <laughs> um, so where was I? I got distracted by my clippy hanging on the wall. I apologize, guys. Um, <laughs> we need fidget toys. I know. Mine's in my bag somewhere. <laughs> but they both make sound. I know. I was going to say. I can't use cat. I can't use like a fidget cue because I just want to click it. That's what I use. Yeah. And everyone will literally hate me so much, but I would kill you. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So he questions the church a little bit and he's not trying to really start a fight. He's just trying to say like, cause I shouldn't compare it to Socrates. Socrates wanted a fight. Luther's just trying to make a point. Um, well, Socrates wanted a fight, but he also but wanted he was to an make an asshole a point. about it. Well, he also wanted to make a point. So yeah. I feel like they're similar. That's but Socrates just was more confrontational. <laughs> that's yeah. Well, Luther is just kind of like, let's talk about. Okay, you can't say anything because he literally was trained as a lawyer at thirteen. <laughs> so like, sounds like he might have been more similar to Socrates than you want to admit. I mean, Vince just hates Socrates too much. Yeah, you hate Socrates. You just can't see it. <laughs> Maybe yeah. So he writes out the 95 Theses, his very famous 95 Theses, as kind of like a, hey, we should talk about this. And it, it calls out a couple practices, but he famously nails them to the chapel door on the church in Wittenberg. And it's kind of like a commonplace, too. I mean, all the students are going to walk past there and see it. It's almost yeah. like one of those kiosks where you well, put your name up for like, yeah. babysitting. Yeah, it's not like he was making some sort of statement. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of like a community pin board, like a, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's Canvas. Yeah, it's not like he like went to the church specifically and was like, I'm attacking you. Yeah. He was just like, hey guys, look at this. <laughs> I'm going to put it here on the door that you all have to walk by. Yeah, exactly. Although he did also send a copy to the Archbishop Albrecht of Mainz. which Hell is yeah basically tetzel's boss nice <laughs> let me speak to the manager literally that was i'm gonna write a letter <laughs> dear yeah mr royal archbishop Ham- albrecht of me dear mr archbishop <laughs> i am a white woman in america <laughs> sorry that is a quote from my chicks <laughs> oh. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of higher up people see this as kind of like an attack on papal authority because he sent Ooh. it straight to that guy. Yeah, and, he's and who's a monk? Like, he can't be doing that. Mm-hmm, I know. And like, not even the, he's a friar. I know. Oh, <laughs> so he did get ordained. He was, oh, okay. he, yeah, no. Gotcha. He, he, he was a friar at first, but yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. So, but I mean, he's also not necessarily in a place where they're like encouraging him to discuss. They're like, we kind of wanted you to just shut up and teach. Yeah, like, like, just go like strive yourself and yeah. like shut up <laughs> teach some students about the psalms like it's like, fine you're supposed to be reflecting right now <laughs> <laughs> so these ideas kind of start spreading across germany and it makes a lot of people wait ask, what year what year was the 95 theses oh that was fi- 1517 yeah. shoot you um, should you should have that <laughs> No, no I it, it, yeah it's 1517 sorry okay. my brain my brain mixed up the five and seven and I was like this is not happening in the 1700s I know. well the thing is is like Kat and I know some of these stories so well that we're like oh we know these dates so we don't like include them in yeah. our notes well like I literally have a sweatshirt that has yeah. the 500 year anniversary <laughs> 2017 gotta get really Lutheran there I yeah. have a sweatshirt so just in case we didn't address this the 95 theses were posted in 1517. <laughs> we 
is on Halloween. Basic. Yeah, which is oh, why on I, Halloween. Yeah, which is why my dad dresses up as Martha. <laughs> okay, maybe he did say that. I don't yeah. remember. I think I got distracted by the All Hallows Eve and didn't pay attention to the date. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. But yes, my dad does occasionally dress up like Martin Luther for Halloween. Um, uh, that is very on brand for that your father. That or Indiana Jones. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> polar opposites. Um, so even though the church is kind of like, hey, dude, shut up. Luther doesn't stop questioning the church or doubling down on some of the ideas. And the church at one point's like, bro, we're going to excommunicate you. You should probably stop. <laughs> um, like, I mean, they're like, he's hurting our image. Um, but he basically just says, like, show me where I'm wrong. Yeah. Bet. Like, <laughs> where in scripture? I'll wait. <laughs> and he gets, like, an official sanction and everything. And this man is dramatic. This man knows oh, no. how to be. He's not like Socrates. <laughs> <laughs> he walks out. He cancels his classes. Walks out to the gates near the um. Oh my god! The gates where his students are having a bonfire. Takes what, the piece what of was paper. his birthday? November, a Scorpio. <laughs> anyway, <It's weird. laughs> I mean, like I, he just knew how to have a good time. But yeah, it was a November <laughs> birthday, so that's why Scorpio. Oh, that's me. I am dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> oh my out. god! I was so gonna he, say Gemini though, because we're pretty dramatic too. But. Mm. Well, either way, he waltzes, he cancels his classes, walks across campus <laughs> to this bonfire his students are having outside the gates, and, like, publicly burns the station. <laughs> He's like... Oh, my God. <laughs> the bonfire. It, literally, this is just Socrates. It's you just... can't tell me it's not. Uh, good times. So, instead of laying low, Luther writes these three treatises, the addre- address to the... Cro- the address of the christian nobility the babylonian captivity of the church and on the freedom of a christian he uses them to address everything about everything uh, about christians being priests and like the role that authority has in the church general church reform the seven sacraments and the importance of the two sacraments the baptism and the lord's supper whether or not christians are like free from church law but basically just need to follow the command of love thy neighbor which is an extreme like bastardization of all of these texts like these are very in-depth texts (laughs) and they have much more substance to them so please if you're interested go look for a real theologian or some real books (laughs) um listen again we're not here to teach you about scripture (laughs) yeah well and it's such a scuffle that in 1521 pope leo x actually does excommunicate him <laughs> and they're like nice. oh, okay and they call him to an assembly at Vems. again it's written like worms worms yeah worms worms but in germany yeah, yeah. basically in germany to in- appear in front of the holy roman emperor charles v who was going to be like the deciding factor and he kind of shows up raring for a fight in a debate he's like yeah let's go prove some points but he gets there and he realizes they're not interested in debating or discussing anything or changing anything on the church's stance. It's just basically a trial to get him to take back what he said. And to be fair, Luther has quite a few followers that are yeah. very, that are dedicated and they're following his teachings and they're saying like, oh, he's right. Like, yeah, you know, and so it's kind of a public thing too. That if the church can make him admit, like, I take it all back, it would, you know, some mm-hmm. of this general discomfort with the church might die down too um he basically after a very long process they're trying to make him recant and he's he's like no and he refuses and he gives that famous line it is neither safe nor wise to act against conscience here i stand i can do no other god help me and 
the people basically decide he's a heretic and it's almost treasonous. And by the time, like by the t- end of this trial, they have not only written out his name on this official, like, mm-hmm. um, what is the word for it? Basically, it's not banishment. I'm completely blanking on the word. Ex- not just excommunication. He'd already been excommunicated. Um, uh, it charges him with heresy. Oh, um, uh, you just out, it, it outlaws him basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's not just his name. It's his like close supporters. It calls some of his supporters out who are not even on trial, who are not mm. here at this, like calls them out by name, uh, and makes them criminals. <coughs> uh, so an Imperial edict. That's the word I think I'm, uh, it's close just, to that. I'm, let I it go. We, we're fine. We gotta be fine. Sorry. <laughs> um, and Charles makes it official, you know, the guy that was kind of hosting his trial. But there's Prince, Fred- Prince Frederick, who's kind of in charge of this region. And he's actually a fan of Luther's, like, mm. which is nice because someone's on his side. Yeah. So after he's outlawed and there's people after him, Prince Frederick arranges it to have him fake kidnapped by Frederick's own personal soldiers. Nice. But, like, they did it a little too convincing and they, like, didn't tell like they didn't explain that they were going to do this nice. and so everyone actually thinks that luther's dead for us <laughs> like, oh my God. people were like like he was with his friends i think when it happened and i'm not sure if luther knew what was going to happen or <laughs> if he was in on it Whoa. but like basically like they just fake kidnap him um but kind of actually kidnap him to make it look real yeah and he just gets like dragged off in the night <laughs> um but Frederick arranges him to go hide in Wartburg Castle. Wartburg Castle. That's another W. Another WV. It's a W. Uh-huh. Where he hangs out for, I think, 10 months, almost a year. Um, people genuinely think that he's dead. So there's, like, people back home who are like, they killed him. He was a criminal and they killed him. Or there's, like, theories going around. And some people are following his teachings. And some people are like, well, he's dead. So we can't, like, get any more teachings from him. And they kind of mm-hmm. move on. So yeah. it's a crazy time. But while he's in the castle, he starts to work on one of his biggest accomplishments, which is translating the New Testament into a German language. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is more than just a translation, but it also standardizes German kind of by oh. creating such a wide... Because there's like high yeah. German, low German. There's a lot of yeah. different things um, going on. That makes sense. And so if there's one text everyone's going to end up with, it's, it's the Bible. It's the Bible, and yeah. And this is going to help standardize things. That um, makes sense. Yeah. And I guess this is as good a time as any to talk about the role of... Okay, so Luther had a problem with the fact, with the way church systems were being run. Because in this time period, church services weren't delivered in the common tongue. They were given yeah. in... uh Italian? Latin. Italian. Um, and you had to be, you know, you had to be a trained, which most churches, you do still have to be a trained minister or a priest or pastor to deliver... Yeah. Um, or like, yeah. Yeah. But you had to like learn a whole new language. Exactly. And since these services were given essentially in another language, the common people had no choice but to just kind of like nod, sit there in church and be like, yeah, yeah, Yeah. I'll do whatever they tell me to do, Mm -hmm. which is super kind of manipulative because people don't know what's being said on their behalf, what they're asking for that like you can memorize the words and repeat them back or Mm -hmm. say them in a hymn or whatever. But like. They're not understanding what's going on. They're not receiving the real word of the Bible. They don't know what they're agreeing to Mm -hmm. necessarily. And they can't think on their own, which. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's why you get the stuff like sale of indulgences, because people can't go to the Bible and read it for themselves Mm -hmm. and be like, 
where does it say this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so it standardizes the language, but it also just revolutionizes the concept of people having access to religion and being able to think for themselves, which is a big part of what Luther supported because he was like, you don't get saved through a pa- through a priest or a pastor or a pope. Like you get saved through the grace of God, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And how are you supposed to get saved through sola scriptura if you can't read the scripture? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So in 1522, he reappears. He's like, psych, not dead. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it goes back to Wittenberg <laughs> where he starts kind of growing this movement. Over the next couple of years, things continue to get heated and he continues to speak out against the church. But the rest of the world is still going on and the Peasants' War of 1424 to 25 comes into play. Now, there are a lot of grievances that lead to the beginning of the Peasants' War. Of 15? Uh, 1524 okay. to 25, yeah. And there were multiple Peasants' Wars around this time. Yeah, I was going to say, I was like, we have to be specific. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you said 14. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah you're good. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I figured that's what you meant. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Thank you. As we all know, I've said it before, I have a huge problem reading numbers in sequential orders. It's basically just numbers dyslexia. I have an extremely hard time Dyscalcula. with it. Dyscalcula. Dyscalcula. Thank you. That's the mm-hmm. word for it. Um, I can't even remember the word. Uh-huh. Maybe that's why I couldn't pass AP Calc. <laughs> uh, that, that I can't pass I can't it, this class read. because I... I can't, I can't remember the word dyscalculia. <laughs> also can't read numbers correctly, but that's fine. Hey, it happens. Um, so, yeah. there's Like I said, there's a lot of things that are causing these revolts and these wars, but they are also citing Luther's works, and they're using them as kind mm. of a reasoning. And Luther's like, yeah, no, I don't want y'all rebelling in my name. Like, I don't want y'all bringing my theology into your war. I don't actually support this. And he openly says he doesn't support the peasants and that he wants the revolt to be crushed by the the royalty, like the authorities. Um, but in this controversy, he loses a lot of supporters because a lot of them were lower class people yeah. who were so excited to finally have well, Yeah, the he Bible. has to know his audience. Come on, Luther. I know, like, right? Bad PR not manager. Not good marketing. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, yeah. In 1522, he also... Um, this is Katie Bombora. Um, I was going to say, when are we talking about Catherine? Yeah. So he marries Catherine Von Bora, or Katharina Von Bora, um, commonly referred to as Katie Von Bora sometimes. My dad sometimes calls me Katie My Rib because that was what Luther called his wife. And it's like, you know, like women from, like, yeah. from the man of Adam, like my dad jokingly yeah. calls me that sometimes. Um, but I think it's just a joke to, like, mess with me because I do think that she's a total badass. And I was like, yeah, I'd yeah. use that name. Yeah. What, like, what is so funny, because doesn't she, like, have something to do with beer? Yes. Yeah. Which is, like, so hilarious to me, because it's, like, the wife of one of the most iconic yeah. figures in history. Like, invented beer. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. So, like, for some reason, like, Germans love their beer, you know? Like, that's mm-hmm. not, like, just mm-hmm. a stereotype. Like, for a long time, beer was better to drink than water, because it was yeah. more pure and sterile, and it wasn't going to kill you with germs. Um, but... Luther did revolutionize the use of hops. Yeah. I believe it's hops um, uh-huh. when making beer. But yeah. let's be real. Because she... Luther was, was like not the... sitting around making the beer. It was Katie. Like... Yeah. No, it was her. And yeah. I think that's pretty agreed on. But it was like... Uh, what is it? Because before it was like ale. Mm-hmm. And then she like 
figured out how to make it beer so that it would last longer. I don't know the I don't know the details of beer making. <laughs> yeah, no, it was something to do with like the preservation because before because ale making is a it type with hops, of right. Yeah, yeah, ale is a type of it's similar to beer, but I think it's the hops that's different. Okay, but ale wouldn't stay good for a long time. Oh, but I think I think that's right. But, like, she, by adding the hops, kind of turned it into what we now know as beer. Oh. Um, and gave it a longer shelf life, basically. Oh, cool. I'm looking down. I, I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure. I don't yeah. know. Cool. Well, the Katie herself was really interesting. Um, obviously, I mean, she invented beer, this badass woman. Um, <laughs> but she was actually born into a noble family that lost some of their financial status. And they sent her to a convent when she was five. Whoa. So she was little. And there were several other nuns that didn't like the cloistered lifestyle, but they were, like, following Martin Luther's teachings and stuff. And they are like, this, this guy's chill. They end up sending a letter out to the Lutherans pleading them to help basically organize a jailbreak. <laughs> nice. And so she and, like, I think it was, like, eight other nuns, is get ar- they find an arrangement to escape the convent in a barrel of pickled herring. Oh, yeah. Like, these old pickled herring nice. barrels. And they hide in there. They suck. Like, but, like, go, good for them. I know? feel like you would smell like pickled herring for the rest of your life i know right well and i mean this is they had to be secretive about it they probably wanted a deterrent so people wouldn't open those bins <laughs> um because if they got caught like yeah. you could be punished with death yeah it was bad this yeah. was not something they wanted to get caught doing um most of those women end up found ended up finding jobs going back to their families or getting married but katie von bora was like no nah. why and never, like, those like, guys sent married. me to a freaking nunnery when I was five years old. <laughs> Why? And basically doesn't get married. And then she's like, nah, if I'm going to marry anyone, it's going to be Martin Luther. And <laughs> she knew what she wanted. Yeah. And he, he was like, okay, yeah. Like she's sure. got no family. Like, yeah, I guess she's pretty. Like, and he had written against the church's um, re- requirement of celibacy multiple mm-hmm. times. He was like, I mean, it's a God blessed union. Like what's wrong with it? You know? So yeah. That created quite a scandal that an ex-nun and a, and a monk got married together. Whoa. I know. We're getting a little <laughs> crazy. They were made for each other. <laughs> yeah. Um, and apparently she was quite the, like, I don't want to say homemaker because that undervalues what she was doing. She wasn't just, like, homemaking as that time period saw it. Um, she ended up having, I think they had six children, um, I think two of which died. Um, and he, but yeah, Luther seemed like by all accounts was a family man. Like he was there with his daughter. I think hmm. one of his daughters like died in his arms. Um, well, that's rough. Yeah. But he was like a very family oriented person. Um, and, um, this woman knew what she was doing in general. She was good with money and invested it in different like farms and orchards and like beer. What are the beer things? Um, breweries, brewers. That's, that's the beer thing. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. <laughs> and she like, really helped increase the family's financial status. She was also huge in the movement, like as a political and religious figure, nice. like she helped house some of the activists and like nice. helped them with meetings. And like she, for a woman, this time period, like that's say, radical. Yeah. That's, no. that's huge. Yeah. And in Luther's will, she was listed as the sole beneficiary. Nice. And if he died, she would have retained guardianship of the children, mm. which is huge. not normal. Yeah. Like, um, so we kind of love to see it. Um, which is why I do not mind being called Katie My Rib because, like, I would love to be called, like, that woman. Mm. Yeah. So, 
that's like that's the big part of his life throughout the rest of his life he will engage in debates and theological things with people like Zwingli and like mm-hmm. a million other famous um theologians that yeah you can that if I went through every single one of them we'd be here for another five hours yeah because the man could talk um but ironically I'm going to talk about the printing press now um because my mother I don't know if they, they didn't plan this because when I asked them what they would want to learn about in history more, they didn't know I had a podcast and they did not know I was going to use their answers for Mother's Day and Father's Day. Yeah. My mother literally was, literally was just like the printing press. And now my dad's <laughs> talking about Luther. So if you were there for that episode, you know how we talked about some historic events just happening at the right time. And it's almost a coincidence and they catch up like how yeah. the Chinese actually invented the printing press mm-hmm. hundreds of years beforehand. It just didn't pick up because the need for it didn't yeah i mean there was a need for it but like it didn't hit at the same time as this mm-hmm. huge movement yeah um so it was 1456 when gutenberg printed the first bible it was 27 years later that luther was born gotcha so there's there is a gap yeah where printing bibles was in practice and everything yeah but the fact that it was the printing press was a standardized thing a little bit by mm-hmm. the time that Luther had his translation yeah. is huge. Um, and they fed each other's influence. The printing press, all of a sudden they needed it. There was a huge demand for printing presses yeah. and it supplied all these Bibles and stuff. So, um, huh, I flipped up my notes. This is where I originally put the stuff about manipulation in the church because the common people can't read it. Um, he goes on after the his translation of the Bible to write his larger and smaller catechism, which is something that is used to this day, not just in Lutheranism. Um, it emphasizes the five solas. There's five technically. Um, there's three ah, that are solas. commonly taught. Um, there's sola fide, sola scriptura, and sola gratia, faith alone, scripture alone, and grace alone, which are like the three that are still emphasized. Well, they were at least the three that were emphasized for me. Um, I think there's like solo Christos and stuff like that as well, which is like through Christ alone and stuff. So they're all three like yeah. foundational ideas from mm-hmm. Luther and such. But those, the three I was taught are the Fide, Gratia and Scriptura. So Luther definitely made some enemies over his life. Like, yeah, you, know, you, you don't, well, the whole freaking Catholic church. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Um, and even some of his like good professional relationships, he kind of ends up breaking off. He was being a little crass and vulgar. Again, you said he's not like Socrates, but I'm just getting, I'm getting Socrates from him. That's fair. (laughs) You know, well, the problem is towards the end of his life, he kind of goes off the rails a little bit, which is something most people who talk about Luther don't talk about because. Mm. Yeah. I've never heard this. Yeah. Um, most people like to focus on his earlier years because it got really, really bad. Um, Hmm. you can attribute it to the fact that he was engaging in unhealthy practices like self-flagellation and stuff, um, starving himself, being, and his whole life he was plagued by really intense, um, emotional strain. Like, he was so scared of God's wrath. He was, like, so terrified that he would, like, have these, basically, like, huge panic attacks and episodes. Like, it was really, really bad. Um, and so... It can be an explanation, but not an excuse for some of what he later said. Um, yeah. Because there was stuff that he ended up writing about that was under no no circumstance okay to be writing. Um, 
but his mental state did seem to start deteriorating a little bit he was like some of the stuff he ended up writing was so crass and vulgar that people were like this isn't even like okay um Mm -hmm. and a lot of other reformers i'm sorry if y'all could hear (laughs) that someone's moving furniture upstairs apparently Uh uh-huh their bed is very creaky as well i don't think that's what that's it's not (laughs) but it is but every night i know uh whoa yeah it's too much i always have to put headphones in um fun fact about cat's apartment it sucks um yeah so he he becomes basically anti-semitic oh like bad um he even wrote why is that the default so many times i know history well the problem is like he wrote one that was literally called like the jews in their lives and it's bad Mm. it is bad he even like starts talking about muslims a bit um other theologians he doesn't agree with and most people don't attribute this as luther's works like they Mm. they agree that like he wasn't in a good place um but it 100 percent needs to be mentioned because you can't talk about early works and then not talk about what someone ended up writing later in their life just because you don't like it yeah um this is not an excuse for him it is not anything you know like obviously those works are nothing that i would ever support or that we would ever support or mm-hmm. anything but i feel like it needs to be talked about because a lot of the time yeah. we don't talk about the fact that yeah like i said i've never heard that yeah we yeah. highlight we tend to highlight especially in history classes yeah. political and leaders and stuff like that and their yeah. good stuff like washington well, having I, slaves or yeah something exactly like that. and i honestly the argument can be made that like oh it's not really luther you ever talk about it's the reformation yeah and more of like his role in that yeah so like that could be why because yeah you know true. him running anti-semitic things are not a part of like the reformation right yeah um but, but still if, I'm gonna do a if you're gonna whole do episode, a biography on luther yeah, yeah it needs to be mentioned because i'm not going to talk about just the good things and pretend that that didn't happen towards the end of his life because that would not be fair um so yeah um he kind of started like calling the pope the antichrist as well <laughs> and starts even talking about the legitimacy of polygamy oh like I'm not kidding when I say, like, his writings took a 180 turn. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Okay. Um, Interesting. Yeah. But things like sleep sleep, pro- sleep deprivation, starvation, self-flagellation, increased digestive issues apparently through his life uh, with, like, crippling fear of God. Like, it all took yeah. a toll. It sounds like he's got something. He's got some going things on. going yeah. on. Yeah. Again, not an excuse. But. Yeah. Um. His earlier works are definitely some of the most formative, are the most formative, I would say, other than the Bible mm-hmm. in the Western Absolutely. Christian yeah. ideal. Um, there's 6.5 or 65 million Lutherans around the world. Wow. There's a lot. And his works aren't just used in the Lutheran church. Uh, I mean, the Reformation itself divides the Western church, uh, the, divides the Roman Catholics between the Protestant traditions. So we're talking like Lutheranism calvinism anabaptists like so many people got their start or broke off from things that started during the reformation so there's a lot of people that also argue that luther other than jesus of nazareth was the most influential figure on christian religion which i I mean i can see fair yeah i think Um, that's a fair yeah i mean it was you know it I feel like a lot of, yeah, obviously, like, his actual theology was very important, to, mm-hmm. especially to Luther's. But more than that, it was more the fact of, like, someone finally broke off. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. Instead of, like, them just being, like, killed by the church and then, like, silenced and everything. Right. You know? And I think that was, like, 
why he's so important Mm -hmm. because he was just the one that that worked for yeah well i mean it doesn't it helps that like was 1522 i know it was the 1530s was the was henry's divorce it was pretty soon after. It was 1522, I yeah, think. Yeah, it was so like, it was like literally at the same time. The happened, yeah. That like Luther's excommunication and stuff are going yeah. on. Like, mm-hmm. so, I mean, no one was helping each other out. They were just creating chaos in the yeah. church community. So like. <laughs> well, imagine if Henry wanted a divorce like before Luther happened. Yeah. And then Henry VIII would be the most influential oh my gosh. Christian leader. <laughs> Henry VIII. Yeah. Which would be so funny. I would laugh really hard. Um, oh my God. Because yeah. he would be the one that broke off. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, at least that didn't happen. That's, that's the great schism. That's like. Yeah. The, a whole different. Yeah. Well, I'm saying changer. like. I know what you're. Yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah. yeah. So that is Martin Luther. That um, was really good. Super influential. Very informative. Thank you. Great job. Um, Now I'm going to sip on my tea and listen to the the big discussion on... Literally the most probably opposite thing. It is. Give me a drum roll. Hold on, hold on. Today I will be talking about the man, the myth, (gasps) the legend, Bigfoot. I know. Yeah. Very highly anticipated episode. It. And by highly anticipated, I mean I had one person tell me, hey, I'm excited for Bigfoot. So, it no, it was her brother. Well, Emma's dad loves Bigfoot. I'm sure they're excited. No, but like her dad didn't call oh. me and say, hey, oh. Kaylee, I'm excited. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> um, no, one person, Emma's brother, told me, I'm excited for Bigfoot. And I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> No pressure. I was like, oh, no, no. People are expecting things from me. Um, Yeah, so we're talking about Bigfoot, which is one of my dad's um, interests. So it's one of the things that we can talk about because the other thing he's super into is, like, guns. So I'm like, yeah, let's talk about Bigfoot. (laughs) Yeah, let's – yeah. Yeah. The history of the NRA or Bigfoot. Like, (laughs) Uh, He doesn't like the NRA, so he says that. Yeah. There's that. Okay. Um, So – like Kat, I'm also going to start off with a disclaimer, um, and it has to do with the focusing on history and not, like, everything else about a person, or in this case, yeah. a mythical being. Um, also, I would like to establish where I'm at in the Bigfoot party, and I like to say I don't not believe in Bigfoot. But you don't know if you do? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying he's not real. I'm also not saying he's real. I okay. lean towards real just because I think it's a little bit of fun. Um, and why not, you know? Well, and it's like different interpretations mean different things. So you and can then, believe in like... Yeah. But the thing the thing is, is like I lean towards it too and we'll talk about it. But I think natives have way more connection to this world, this land than we do. Yeah. And if they believe in something... Then I'm like, They're the yeah. authority on it. Like, yeah, you're okay. right. Yeah, yeah. you've and been here a lot longer than me. I believe yeah, you. Yeah, you've lived in these woods and mm-hmm. a way more like, what's the word? But like peaceful, like cohesive yeah. way than like, you know, we have. Yeah. So like, yeah, you. If anyone knows, it's gonna be you. Um, yeah. That's why I don't fuck with things like skinwalkers. Absolutely Mm-mm. not. <laughs> no, if I. No. I know. Like I. Well, growing up in like. Yeah, growing up around that stuff. Because a lot of people in Texas, like, 
yeah they joke about it and i'm like no you hear something like that you go in the opposite direction you run yeah. like yeah you don't you don't mess with that stuff. yeah Listen and like the people who know the land best <laughs> yeah exactly and like bigfoot is not really known as like a, a well it, it is and it isn't there's been aggressive encounters but then there's also been like very peaceful encounters mm-hmm. so it's kind of one of those things you know um so like i'm not saying i'm scared of bigfoot i'm just saying like if natives say it's real i'm gonna say it's real because yeah. they know that's the most convincing thing to me is that they know like they yeah. know <laughs> um so uh yeah as we know bigfoot is like super popular and has been for like the past few years there's tv shows podcasts movies etc documentaries all that stuff so mm-hmm. like I'm not going to get into, like, especially later. So, at first, I'm going to get into specific sightings because that's, like, part of the history. Yeah. But then as sightings become more and more popular, like, I have to let that go. Otherwise, we will be sitting here right. for probably, like, months. I, I <laughs> mean, I've got time. No, I don't. I have work today. <laughs> we both have work. And I need to take a shower. So, <laughs> let's not do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, like I said, we'll start off with sightings but uh, and kind of, like, records. But... I will be leaving that behind as we get closer to modern day. So, uh, Bigfoot slash Sasquatch um, slash wild man. uh, All of those kind of refer to the same thing. Yeti is different, right? Yeti is different. Sasquatch specifically, from what I can tell, refers to the version of this cryptid that appears in the pacific northwest and british columbia region uh but it has come to be like pretty much that and bigfoot have come to like pretty much encompass okay um yeti is similar to bigfoot it's just in the himalayans yeah uh i have a list at the end of like all the different like similar things around the world um there are a lot of similarities uh between sightings around the world, which is another thing that I think is odd and a little bit convincing. You mean Chewbacca? <laughs> yes. Gotcha. Yeah, that he's from South Africa. Chewbacca. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's yeah. where the, that's oh, where he was cool. sighted first. Yeah. Awesome. Um, I thought it was so, on Tatooine. No, I'm kidding. He wasn't even on Tatooine. Like, okay. no more Star Wars jokes. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, they. I don't get them. So. <laughs> Anyway, gonna make you watch so, those movies someday. I have tried to watch the first Star Wars literally like four or five. Well, times. that's your problem. I can't make it through. Not the th- not the prequel. Oh, the fourth one, uh, the first ever movie. I've tried to watch it so many times, <laughs> and I can't. I can't. If we're I don't on know a plane why. together or something, I'll like make you sit there and Except- watch it. When you literally can't get away or do anything else, <laughs> I'll make you sit there and watch. The only thing would have that would happen if if like my screen was broken for whatever reason. <laughs> I had to watch yours. Okay. So the term Sasquatch is basically the Americanized version of the word Sasquets, which is a word I, I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right. That's what it looks like to me. I don't know though. Um, which is a word that means wild man that comes from an indigenous language group in the Pacific Northwest region called the Coast Salish group. Uh, there's a lot of different names for the same creature, especially with different native groups throughout the country um in north or in canada and in america however a lot of them the overwhelming majority translate to some form of wild men or hairy men okay specifically wild men comes up a lot Makes which i sense. think is really interesting yeah uh so bigfoot that that term came around in the 50s and it was coined by a journalist 
uh, but it doesn't have any like significance to it other than like yeah, this, big feet. this guy's got big feet. <laughs> um, so Bigfoot is usually described as a primate and human hybrid, anywhere between six to fifteen feet, with the most common height being reported at seven to nine feet. Fifteen. Fifteen feet, feet is a big bitch. That's like that's two, huge. That's two six foot people on top. Yeah. that's more than two six foot I people know. on top of each other. That's huge. So I think most most sightings are anywhere between seven to nine feet and i think that's kind of in that range of that's not huge but that's bigger than a man should be you know mm-hmm. what i mean yeah like if you saw it in the distance you'd be like what the he's a little that? tall up against that tree there yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh so they're usually covered in reddish or reddish brown fur uh they can have like dark brown and black fur though but most commonly reported is reddish brown uh, they're also reported as being very smelly. They definitely have an odor to them. Uh, and they, of course, the most iconic characteristic is that they are bipedal. So they stand on two feet and walk okay. on two feet. Interactual cat is now Googling pictures of Bigfoot. <laughs> A cat fun over there. Oh, I was going to tell you, uh, and for the audience listening at home, there's a lot of things in here that you might want to Google. Uh, so I was going to tell you to have your phone I'm ready. ready. Cat. So, I'm ready. Because there's a lot of, like, petroglyphs and stuff like that and that you would want to see. So, uh, interactions with Bigfoot are usually characterized by sound. There's a lot of loud whooping noises that are very common with Bigfoot. Um, or sometimes, if you see them, they'll just be completely silent. Like, to the point where it's eerie. Like, oh. they'll walk through the forest and not make a sound. Like, no snap branches. Nothing oh. like that. Like, yeah. Uh, and a lot of rock throwing and, like, branch hitting stuff with they like to make whooping noises but they also like to throw rocks and make noise like that kind of okay. way too so that's kind of a little intro to bigfoot if you don't know about him which would be crazy because he's iconic but if you don't know maybe hey maybe you're not into bigfoot <laughs> so so now i'm going to get into kind of this historical record we have of bigfoot they're all so, very grainy photographs on the oh yeah there's yeah. no like clear okay <laughs> um so native people all over peoples all over the world but most specifically for like the stuff that's relevant to what i'm talking about today is kind of the american bigfoot which is most iconically in the pacific northwest and british columbia regions although there's been sightings all over the united states uh, specifically in like the Great Smoky Mountains and the Rocky Mountains and um, basically any dense forest area. Uh, so they have had stories of Bigfoot-like creatures for thousands of years. And oral histories like that are very important. And I think especially to spoken history cultures are a legitimate form of history. So I don't want to discredit that because mm-hmm. like that in and of itself is proof to me. Yeah. Um, however, we do have physical evidence uh, that I'm going to talk about now just because that's like okay you know that's yeah. the easiest way to go through yeah um the hard evidence that we yeah have. exactly yeah. <laughs> so from around so there's two early petroglyph art that we see that depicts a bigfoot like creature petroglyphs are kind of like they're cave drawings they're cave drawing style but they uh, are usually not in like a cave. They're usually just on rocks or on the side of cliffs or something like that. Um, but they are that very like cave drawing style. So 
Uh, so there was a couple of petroglyphs found, some uh, in California, which is found in the... Oh, I wrote it down. It's a site known as CA-TUL-19. And this is located in Central California on the Tool River Reservation. And so these cave drawings, or not, sorry, not cave drawings, petroglyphs or pictographs, as they're sometimes known, uh, are in this, there's kind of, I saw a picture of it, but there's a like big boulder and another boulder leaning up against it and it forms this kind of shelter under it. And in that shelter is all these like different petroglyphs. Oh, cool. Um, and on these petroglyphs, we have drawings of coyotes, beavers, bears, basically the animals of the area. But we also have what seems to be a whole family of Bigfoot-like creatures. We have a male, a female, and a child. And you can look it up. I'm, it, I'm yeah. looking at it now. It, do they have bears in these areas? Yeah, I think so. It's California. Okay. They're state flags. Oh, that's bear. true. It's yeah. <laughs> and it bear. is like uh, 1,200 years ago, so before so like the gold bears. rush. <laughs> okay. It looks almost kind of like a bear on its hind legs, but a lot of the bears yeah. I know that actually like you have to be a certain kind of bear to get that big. Cause like, I know a lot of bears actually mm-hmm. don't get as big as you expect them to, but yeah. Well, and I think the fact that there were also distinct bears. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. true. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You know? I'm not throwing doubt on yeah, you at no, all. No, no, it no. was just kind of what, what struck yeah. me. Yeah. So, um, these drawings were around 1.2 to two meters tall and around one meter wide. So they were pretty big. You know, I was expecting when you think cave drawings, you think like, Oh, like little, I don't yeah. know, like you're drawing a piece of paper, yeah. like how you would draw there. But these are pretty good sized. And what's most interesting about them uh, <clears throat> is that I believe, yeah, I believe it was these, this set, but the mom or the female and the child were painted red. So that kind of shows that like reddish brown four color that's yeah. like so iconic to Bigfoot. So, uh, and then in Canada, these are even older. Uh, there's, Petroglyphs found in Petroglyphs Provincial Park in, I believe, Ontario that depict a large bipedal um, man or animal with long arms, which apparently to this uh, the group of natives in the area, long arms are usually used to depict large size. I guess it's how they just convey that. And also Bigfoot are known to have longer arms. So these are from anywhere. Uh, they haven't been tested because it's like part of like a sacred site. So they can't do stuff like that. It makes sense. Um, but these are guessed to be anywhere from 1600 to 7,000 years old. They so old. Uh, they're old. So we have these two pretty old recordings, records that we can see of this type of creature being around or something similar to it mm-hmm. that we would guess is one of those. So, uh, sometime between 1500 BCE and 500 AD, natives in what we now know as Oregon carved a series of sewn heads, and along with other animals uh, in this kind of series of stone heads, there's several of them that depicts an ape-like man with a flat nose, large mouth, beady eyes, and possible brow ridge. So that iconic, like, heavy brow that Bigfoot has. Uh, And the natives of the area themselves confirm that yes this is a depiction of Sasquatch. Uh sometime later uh still in kind of the same time frame again it's really hard to know like what time exactly these are but um natives in Utah would paint another picture of this wild man so another pictograph and this one is known as the big man pictograph and this painting depicts three large 
man-like creatures with broad shoulders and i thought it was interesting that these were also all painted in red and it could just be you know they just had red paint but i do think it's interesting that consistently we see this red color popping up and then that is you know supposed to be their hair color yeah um and then we have one of the first apparently oh, that's cool yeah yeah um oh they're of, all blocky yeah they're like squares they're like squared yeah um, cool and so then we have one of the more significant well one of the first encounters written encounters that we have because before this it was just like some evidence but you know just pictures and carvings and stuff like that but we have a written encounter apparently so in around the year 1000 uh leif erickson the viking makes his way down to the americas Mm. and supposedly sees bigfoot which is funny because a lot of descriptions we have of vikings were how tall like yeah people remarked like they're so tall and burly and like yeah or like especially their hair because they groomed their beards so much mm-hmm. and everything like which yeah. is funny guys if you didn't know a lot of european men were like very intimidated by the fact that they thought yeah. the vikings were going to steal their women because they, they were took like baths. they took like baths and like combed their hair and beard and men were like no, it looks so nice i know <laughs> we're gonna like, take our women oh my god no they're gonna steal our women but like to for like leaf erickson and for like the big bulky vikings to yeah be, like, that's a big fluffy dude right so this is a quote from Sasquatch Chronicles blog. So quote, the oldest account of Bigfoot, Bigfoot was recorded in 986 AD by Leif Erikson and his men. During their first landing in the new world, the Norsemen wrote about the man-like beasts that were quote, horribly ugly, hairy, swarthy, and with great black eyes. Among his accounts, Leif told of seeing huge hairy men who towered over him and his men. The quote, huge hairy men, according to Leif, lived in the woods and had a rank odor and a deafening shriek. It should be noticed that Leif Erikson and his men describe huge man-like beasts that were loud and foul-smelling and clearly distinct from the native people. Apparently, Leif had several sightings of the huge hairy men before departing the island. So these creatures apparently were known as matlogs, and there are also reports of them stealing and eating salmon as a bear would. And they would also have that stereotypical, like, throwing rocks and banging sticks on trees and stuff like that. Hmm. Yeah. I had no idea about that. That's yeah. Cool. And Leaf apparently reports that the... And, and again, in this story, they're very distinct from the natives. It's not like, oh, new types of people. Like, no. Like, this is something different. However, uh, I did... When I was researching this specific part of it... I did see people saying like, oh, I don't know if you ever actually wrote that. Like, where are you getting this from? So there is, there is a little debate on the accuracy of that account. However, there's literally debate on every single piece of Bigfoot lore. So <laughs> um, it is what it is. You yeah. Know? I, and the Vinland sagas, that's like the main story of, yeah, you know, of Leif Erikson coming to the Americas. But God, that's I not the heard only Binland record in so long right <laughs> that's not the only record of that journey so and you know honestly vikings like there's a million stories for everything so it could come from somewhere <laughs> well i mean um, people that rely on oral history i mean vikings have a writing system like like yeah a very like yeah. well-known one but like it is interesting to see groups with oral histories passing mm-hmm. these down versus pictographic yeah um histories and stuff like that so yeah. i mean looking at these like Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at like these pictures of drawings of Bigfoot and like yeah. it's uh-huh. so interesting how you can pick out 
yeah, identical fi- pig, mm-hmm. like features from each one, even though they're all so different in style. Yeah, exactly. And another thing that's really interesting about pictographs is there are just like pictures of men, and they're not and drawn it's not like the same. That. Yeah, so yeah. it's really interesting to me. And again, it's that whole native thing. It's like they've been around. Yeah, and I'm about to say this, but there's no way for natives to know of an existence of an ape-like being because I, I, apes are from Africa. And guess who wasn't oh. talking to natives? Oh, in I see what you're saying. Five thousand oh, BC. Oh, ooh. right. Well, and it's so weird. Like you mentioned last night, the dragon, the dragon man that they yeah. found. Like we mm-hmm. do not know what has existed on this yeah. planet. Like yeah. there are things we will find that we cannot explain. No, like, I'll new things that. all the time. Yeah, and well, that's that is also really like I saw this pointed out on one of the articles I read, but like that's such a good point that until. You know, you have Columbus selling the ocean blue. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no way regally for any of these native groups to know of the existence of ape-like creatures. And yet we have depictions of them. That to I me didn't think about that. Is, yeah. And I'm about to get into I mean, this. the closest so, you get is a bear. Like, yeah. Ursus Americana yeah. or something like that. So in 1278, the, uh, the I'm sorry, this is, I'm not going to pronounce this correctly, but the Simshian people of British Columbia make a series of masks with distinctly ape-like features. Huh. In 1278. So again, before... Before Columbus and yeah. the Ancient Blue and mm-hmm. then killed an entire population through genocide. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> um, we're so, laughing about it, but we're not actually making fun of it, guys. It's no, awful. this is awful laugh. We don't... Do not stand Columbus in this apartment. No. So that is a very intriguing piece of evidence. That... Historiography. I know. So, in the 1400s, a native group in Mississippi produces a set of four bowls as a part of a larger series. In Mississippi, you said? Yes. All of these bowls depict different, have different depiction of animals on them. Uh, and they all are known animals, except for these four mystery animals that, according to the natives, are known as a shampi, which is the Choctaw name for Bigfoot. So, this mystery animal has a cone-like head and large mouth which again is that's very stereotypical to bigfoot is that cone-like head um and kind of that ridge that like that like well (laughs) oh like like the yeah like the pointy yeah yeah, kind of cone head um which is so funny because i don't know me and my family have this joke that one of our dogs has like this little pointy part on the top of his head bella did too yeah and we called that his Squitch Quatch. <laughs> Interesting. And it's because, I don't know how we got there, but basically it's like, because Sasquatch have that pointy, pointy head, head, and I don't know how we got to the word Squitch Quatch. I don't like, either. Oh, Zooster Squitch Quatch, shall we? <laughs> Huh. And then gets like really excited. When he gets excited, he has that like pointy head. I'm like, oh, Zeus is Squitch Quatch. I don't know. It's weird. Huh. It's one of those family things. But um, I'm having a hard time so, finding these bowls. You said they're yeah, from Mississippi? Yeah. And okay. it didn't say, so there's this one resource that I use a lot of because it was a timeline and that's what I needed because everything I looked at was just like, oh, this is how you catch Bigfoot. And I was like, no, I need like the history. Please tell me where there was first. <laughs> like, <laughs> I am not hunting Bigfoot. I, I would just like to see. I know. There's all these like blogs and stuff about like Bigfoot hunting. I was like, no, I just need to know. <laughs> like, um, so it's like a Bigfoot timeline. And so I got this off of there and you can see the picture of the bulls. But again, what was interesting okay. to me was that 
as with the bowls, as with a lot of the pictographs, as with a lot of these things, everything else that's being depicted is known, is common. And so like are normal animals. So it's interesting to me that they would include these things. And it makes you think like, were they just super common and like regular animals to natives? I, I don't know. It's interesting to me. Um, so, uh, like I said at the beginning, I'm focusing mainly on the American Bigfoot. However, I do want to point out that in the 1400s, we have, uh, a report from Russia by German explorer Hans Schlittberger. That's Schlittberger. That's fun to explore Russia in the winter. Um, and he writes of an encounter with the Bigfoot-like creature of Russia, which is called the Alma. So we have accounts Alma. from- yeah, A-L-M-A. Huh. So, and I Googled them. They look like Bigfoot. So, uh, and then, so I just wanted to point that out, that stuff is happening all over the world, not just in the Americas, though we are focusing on the Americas. So in Mississippi in 1520, Spanish explorer, explorer Alazo Alvarez de Pineda, uh, who was the man who first sailed around the Gulf of Mexico, um, well, the first European man to sail around mm. the Gulf of Mexico, writes of an encounter with giants in Mississippi, eight-foot-tall humanoid creatures that the natives were apparently terrified of. Conquistador, Interesting. Er, Conquistador Hernando de Soto, who first attempted to colonize Florida, also writes of giant ape-like men in Florida. French, French explorer Samuel... Uh, Samuel? <laughs> I'm getting Samuel? a lot of coastal areas here. Yeah, well, I think his... Like, well, I mean, it makes sense. They were on, they yeah, were they were on the coast. Yeah. yeah okay. So <laughs> French explorer Samuel de Champlain writes about a creature known by natives as the Gugu in upstate Vermont and New York, which again is a Bigfoot-like creature. And the Gugu is the word for the native word for that creature. Hmm. Uh, and then we have the Lock Lock, the Lock Love Cave people. And so this is going to be a quote from kind of the summary that I found on the timeline thing, just because it's a little bit of a complicated story and I wanted to just make sure I do it justice. So, yeah. Quote, the folklore of the Coop Tikata people talk of a race of red haired, hairy giants living in the woods called the Sitaka. They were genu- they were known as generally quite docile as long as you left them alone and lived on the left side of Humboldt Lake, Nevada. Huh. And the Coop Takata lived on the east side. Oh, and they lived on the west side of Humboldt Lake, Takata. And so the, they're like territorial. Yeah. And the Coop Takata lived on the east side so they could kind of see them across the lake. Hmm. Uh, one day, a Sitaka kidnapped and in some stories ate or raped a woman. Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is a dark, <laughs> dark turn. Yeah. The... Kuptakata people planned to kill them, so they tricked the Sitaka into going into Lock Love Cave, promising more women uh, to lure them in. Then they trapped them with heavy logs, tying the logs together with rabbit muscle, and set them ablaze, suffocating the Sitaka. Based on the details on in some parts of the story, they like Oh my god, sorry. I'm having trouble reading this. Ba 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 ba. So basically using some of the details, they were kind of able to suggest that this might have happened in the mid-1600s. 
but it wasn't until 1854, which I did see this could have also happened in 1911. I don't know why that is such a wide range of dates, but basically sometime between 1854 and 1911, guano miners, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> well, you said 1954? It was used in... 18. Oh, okay. I was going to yeah. say, because during the wars, Bakwana was actually used as... Oh, I know Bakwana has been used for a yeah. lot of things. Yeah. But I think it's just funny. <laughs> I know. I agree. It is. It's also so, a really fun word to say, guano. <laughs> I know. So in 1854, sometime between 1854 and 1911, guano miners were in Lovelock Cave and they found a skeleton of an eight foot tall man Ooh. with long arms and a big jaw, apparently. Huh. And it was found under burnt material. And oh. I was reading about this incident, and apparently the conditions in this cave cave were, like, really good for preserving stuff like that. Like bog people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. Which is so cool. And apparently. on that. Oh, I have it on my list. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, apparently, these miners fearing being cursed by the natives, because, again, it's 1854, uh, didn't want to mess with the bones too much. However, yeah. they did take the jaw and skull. That defeats the purpose, guys. Which, like, oh, no, let's leave the bones alone. Oh, but we're going to take, take the head. <laughs> the most important part. <laughs> um, so, apparently, these jaw, this jaw and skull are now on display in the Humboldt County Museum in Nevada. Uh, however, they haven't been examined and, like, tested for DNA because of the sacred thing um is that sacred return it so we're supposed to i know be. i was like if it's sacred it shouldn't be in the museum guys anyway we're working on decolonization here guys come on yeah so that was like a pretty big encounter and if we do have bones that possibly could be one of the only bone records we have uh so after that in 1771 daniel boone while exploring kentucky's claims to have shot and killed a 10 foot tall hairy man that he called a yahoo and what he was probably trying to say was the cherokee word uh, which is y-e-a-h-o-h so like yeho or something like that okay but basically like mispronouncing it um yeah so uh, after this point, you know, we're getting America here pretty soon. So we mm-hmm. have a lot more people in the areas that there used to not be. Well, I there's a lot of people who live in the Americas already, obviously. They're like yes. colonizing all of America now. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot more people who are like, what are these strange creatures? Urbanization. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot more, I guess, reports, traditional reports that you could say. Because, like, again, if the natives have been living there forever. So they're like, yeah, we know about those guys. But, like, to the Europeans, they're, like, new. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So, so I'm going to kind of go away from actually telling each individual report now. But up until then, that was, like, most of the reports that I saw uh, on the timeline. So skipping forward a few years, uh, we're going to go to 1924, which is the first real, excuse me. It like kicks off the first real wave of like Bigfoot fanatics. Um, And this event took place on none other than Mount St. Helens. So very relevant for some reason keeps coming up. So, in 1924, in the summer of 1904, there was a group of gold prospectors. And we actually do know, like, all of their names and stuff like that. Oh, nice. There's, like, five men. So, it's, like, I feel like a lot of stories like this are, like, just 
oh yeah, there were some guys, but like, no, we knew who there they were. There were some were. bros. We know who they were, like they lived and like, it wasn't just this like weird story in history that mm-hmm. like could have happened. I don't know. It was like verified, like details are there. We have verification. Yeah. yeah. So a group of gold prospectors encounter a group of four hairy creatures that stood upright a few miles away from Spirit Lake, which we talked about mm-hmm. last episode. Um, and it is now in an area that is now known as Ape Canyon. And I think it survived the eruption. So hmm. I, th- I think so. I tried to look at it, but no one was telling me the answers I needed to know. Interesting. <laughs> so I know, it's when you're like Googling something super specific and you're like, no, out of the whole world of knowledge, nothing's coming up. I literally at one point doing this, I got the result from Google that was like, there's not enough matches for this. <laughs> oh no, that happened when I was Googling the Mississippi bowl Bigfoot things it like gave me like five results and i was like yeah no like i I need more than this yeah um and the thing is is, like there's pictures and i was like what what magic combination of words do i have to google i know to make me find the articles about this i know the painted rock in california those petroglyphs i literally had to google so many different things until i like stumbled across a combination of words that worked and i was like are you kidding me a couple (laughs) of them i'm probably looking at something entirely different it probably picked up on bigfoot and gave me like another drawing i know i was like man i'm gonna have all these like bigfoot youtube videos and stuff now (laughs) um so uh yeah so they see these group of four hairy human-like creatures that stood upright Apparently, uh, the group claims that these creatures were could have been as big as 400 pounds each. Whoa. So, like, big. Big boys. Yeah. So, they were scared, obviously. And one of the men shot at the one of the creatures that then fell off of a cliff. Uh, yeah. So you killed it. Probably died. <laughs> Later that night, they were back in their cabin, and they were awoken to the sound and feeling of both giant rocks are just rocks and giant 400 pound plus bodies hitting the side of their cabin. So I'd be a little pissed too if someone killed my friend off the side of a cliff. They followed him back to their cabin. They were going to get revenge. And eventually, like, it continued all night long. And then eventually they tore a hole in the roof. Whoa. And singled out the man who shot them. So, like, this is intelligent behavior. And threw rocks at him. And apparently knocked him out for two hours. Oh, my gosh. And it didn't stop until uh, daybreak. Because, like, Bigfoot are apparently, like, very nocturnal creatures. So, like, at daylight, they were like, oh, we got to go. So that was like in 1924, you know, it became this huge craze. Did they, in the did they go look for the body off the side of the cliff? I don't know. So there was some reports that like the men went to, went back like into town, got a ranger, brought the rangers out and the rangers were like, no, y'all are being ridiculous. And I don't know if it's just because like they couldn't retrace their steps or yeah. what, but, um, or maybe that guy didn't die. And so they never found a body. Maybe I mean, a 400, 400 pounds. Maybe he just thought it was like a little boof onto like the soft <laughs> well, ground. Maybe, yeah, well, maybe it was like, you know, more of a, when you have like the bullet vest, what is it? Bulletproof vest? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, like how spelling. it's like, you know, it's a hit. So maybe it just hit him off the cliff because when you got that much like meat, thick skin. You, you infer. You, yeah, exactly. You're, you might be a little bulletproof. Um, Plot twist. Bigfoot is invincible. <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of kicked off the first real bigfoot craze in america though it still wasn't very popular and it was still pretty niche you know it's still kind of like oh i guess i've heard of that you yeah know? it wasn't it didn't become like a sweeping the nation icon um people in the 20s had other things to do i guess yeah <laughs> so i mean they were probably worried about you know prohibition 
Yeah, and like everything else. Bring a moonshine out on their hikes. <laughs> yeah. So recording sightings after this uh, begin to pick up for multiple reasons. You know, we have this encounter that kind of, you know, people are like, we got to go find it. And then it also just with the increase in technology and newspapers and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And more ability for people to share their encounters. Um, but modern imagination about Bigfoot really begins to be focused in the 1950s. And again, I said that the Bigfoot, the to- term was coined in the 50s by a journalist who had this like kind of series of articles about Bigfoot. And we also see casts of tracks begin popping up around the U.S., specifically in the 50s. Like and Bigfoot? Bigfoot, like, tracks. Like, yeah. Okay. Um, Looking it up again. Yeah, and so, you know, these tracks... And all of this stuff is, like, physical evidence is always questioned, especially tracks. Some of them are, like, okay, that's obviously fake. But others of them, apparently there's these tracks, specifically tracks that have what are called dermal ridges. So, like, ridges in the skin um, are some of the most, to this day, this mo- the most, like, important and insignificant evidence because apparently it's really hard to fake those dermal ridges. Um and uh yeah so in 1962 we have the earliest footage of bigfoot and this is recorded in the rocky mountains by a dad camping with his son and and his boy scout group or troop the footage shows a large hairy bipedal creature walking across the snow and then stopping to stare at the camera of course this is 1962 and it's very blurry and you know you do see something that is obviously covered in hair and it's walking on two feet but could be just a guy in a suit, and there's really no way of knowing. I'm finding it on YouTube right now. <laughs> yeah, I turned the volume down, but I'm no, sorry if you hear it. Um, and seven months later, an ape-like creature is recorded in the Honey Island Swamp of Louisiana. Uh, but it's not until five years later, in 1967, that we get the most famous, to this day, fe- piece of Bigfoot footage. And this is known as the Patterson footage, or sometimes the Patterson-Gilman footage. So... This was recorded in the woods of Humboldt County, California. I feel like there was a Humboldt earlier. I don't know. (laughs) And this was recorded by two men, Roger Patterson and Robert Gilman. Patterson became interested in Bigfoot almost a decade before this encounter. And he was kind of like one of the first cryptozoologists. He was super into Bigfoot. And he even self-published a book about Bigfoot. Hmm. And he and Gilman were both out there attempting to make a Bigfoot documentary. I don't think they were expecting to actually catch footage of it. Yeah. But just be like, these are the woods that they lived in, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> B-roll kind of, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... They, and this is like that very iconic 10 second footage of Bigfoot walking across and he does and he looks at the camera and it's like that iconic like pose. Um, and uh, a lot of, you know, of course this film has been picked apart to pieces. Both men claim to this day, well actually, Gil, or, or no, sorry, Patterson died in 1972 from cancer, but Gilman and Patterson both to this day or to their deathbed basically claim that this was not a hoax. We did not fake this. And it has been proven that it was 16 millimeter film. And you can look at that and see like if it's been tampered with. Right. Obviously. Yeah. And so like people are like, no, if any, it wasn't faked after the fact, if it happened, it happened, if it was a fake, it would have happened. It would have had to happen like as they were filming it. So it had to have been a guy in a suit. And uh, 
there is one man who came forward and said he was, or there's actually been several people who have come forward and said, like, I was the guy wearing the suit. I made the suit. In fact, the guy who made the suit was apparently had a connection or I forget if he had a connection or if he was the guy who made the ape suits for Planet of the Apes that would mm. come out in the next year. Yeah. I um, forgot that was a thing. <laughs> yeah. But no one has ever been able to like concretely prove, no, I made the suit or no, I was in the suit or no, I was involved in faking this. Uh, but the footage is known as pretty believable for several reasons. And if this was a fake, they did their research and they knew exactly what they were doing because uh, the ape creature walks in a gate that is distinctly ape-like with bent knees and humans the way we walk it's um we lock our knees we have straight leg and then we bend as we walk but this these knees are just like continuously bent which is really hard for like humans to replicate as like a natural gait okay Okay. uh and then also apparently the skin under the fur seems to move and you can kind of see the fur ripple as the skin moves and you can you know the way that like cats or dogs do you know oh like when their follicles contract and it moves oh okay Mm -hmm. Um, and how they get this much detail, especially about the, well, you can see the bent knees, but the riffle of fur thing, I don't know. People have studied this film for like a living, so I don't want to say anything. You're but... sending me down a rabbit hole right now. <laughs> I have gone through like, I'm like, I was going to say YouTube you're going to Google a lot, Kat. I, I told you. My whole history is just going to be like <laughs> Bigfoot. <laughs> I know. It's interesting. You've got to see it, you know? Yeah. Well, some of the footage, it's like, okay. But some of the footage is like, okay. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that's obviously the most iconic piece of bigfoot evidence and after that uh footage came out he this is when he really became cemented in pop culture as this cryptid icon so in addition to just a sasquatch hype cryptids as a whole gave a whole lot a whole lot more recognition and cryptozoology becomes more popular than it ever has if you think about sightings of other cryptids like mothman they happen a lot during the mm-hmm. 60s and 70s, which is, again, when this hype is happening. Same time as the satanic pan. Well, satanic pan was the 80s. 80s. I'm going to do an episode on that. Yeah. I got to do it. Um, as we moved in, as we move into an increasingly t- technological age, though, evidence surrounding Bigfoot is more and more. It's harder to prove what is real because anyone and everyone has a phone and can record. So, like, yeah, there should be more evidence. But that also means that anyone and everyone can fake a recording, can yeah. edit things, can, yeah. you know, make yeah. sounds, can do stuff like that. So it's like, what is there to believe? Which is why stuff like footprints and stuff have become more important in now days, nowadays, than visual, yeah. than visual stuff. Um, so it's it's interesting because it's like, you want to believe these because you're like, oh, everyone has a phone now. And so that means like when they're out on hikes and they're in the woods, they can take a picture and record but it. You but it's like, you're like, I don't know if I can believe well, that. Well, what's convincing most to me, like I'm staring at this footage and I realize that the thing that's, I don't know if I believe in like Bigfoot as, you know, this like mythical cryptid or something like yeah. that, or if it's just an, another creature. Because mm-hmm. with the way we can map and Google map the world and stuff, I yeah. mean, people found stuff on Google Maps that's so detailed just on happenstance. It's like I know. people in theory, I think, would be able to find the existence of like a Bigfoot. Maybe they've died out or whatever. That's what makes me doubt a little bit that our uh, technology should be allow us to like reach that. But the most convincing evidence for me is all these different indigenous groups that have 
evidence and it reminds me of the Enumelish that we talk about mm-hmm. because like a lot of different religions have a very similar idea of a creation myth or creation yeah. belief mm-hmm. they also a lot of them cite a different vast flood or storm that yeah. wipes out a lot of the like mm-hmm. like noah and the ark that would like wipe out the earth and like kind of cleanse it like they're across religions there yeah. are these communal um similar aspects and yeah. it's like if each one's talking about something in a slightly different way it's very probable that it did happen it did happen yeah. and it's just being justified or explained or taken mm-hmm. a part of a religion in a different way so if all these different groups are talking about or leave evidence that they experience an encounter with some large thing that yeah. has very similar proportions, similar, you know, it could be yeah. a creature we just don't know and yeah. has died out, or it could be yeah. Bigfoot. Like, that's the most convincing thing for me. I know, and that's, I completely agree. And I'll get into that a little bit in a minute. Um, the one thing that does put a damper on kind of the hopes that he's real uh, is that basically no bones have been found that, yeah, you'd think that there's some is, sort of evidence. You would think that there would be bones. Yeah. I mean, if they are intelligent creatures, maybe they bury their dead. You know, you don't know. Maybe. And bones apparently can decay anywhere between five to ten years in the yeah. wild. So, you know, maybe just no one catches it in time. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there could be a lot of reasons why there's no bones. But it is interesting that there's no bones. Because that would be the one thing that you would think you would find. Mm-hmm. Um, uh yeah, and then, you know, there's that one skull, but never been tested. So, yeah. So, modern Bigfoot culture. So, following the Patterson footage, there is an explosion of people wanting to find Bigfoot, but there's also an explosion of Bigfoot as a pop icon. Movies in the 70s mostly depicted him as a big, scary giant, like, scary movie type stuff. Like, ah, scary in the mm-hmm. woods. But this kind of perception of him changed specifically with the re- release of Harry and the Hendersons. I was literally going to say Harry and the Hendersons. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm 19, betting if yeah, that's it. That uh, in 1987, and this is where Bigfoot became the big, giant, peaceful guy that we know and love today. Um, <laughs> and he still remains insanely popular to this day, especially with the rise of YouTube and the ability for people to all share their encounters for themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh and there are dozens, like I said earlier, dozens, probably hundreds. I don't know why I said dozens. There are hundreds of documentaries, <laughs> uh, dozens of TV shows, and dozens of podcasts, all dedicated to specifically Bigfoot, not just cryptids, but specifically Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is, I read somewhere, and I could not find this article again. And I was so annoyed. But Bigfoot is even apparently the official mascot of something to do with like government and planes in the Pacific Northwest. So oh. like. He's an icon. Uh, I listened to one podcast talk about him, and they're like, yeah, you, like, walk out of the gate in the Washington, like, International Airport, and you see, like, Bigfoot merch. Like, oh, really? Yeah, like, it's everywhere. Makes sense, I guess. Yeah, and you, like, Google Bigfoot, and all of the results are Pacific Northwest related. And I was like, but he's everywhere. Anyway, <laughs> so researchers have tried and tried to prove his existence, but none have really been able to. Apparently, this one lady who said she had, like, Bigfoot hair, but said it was like yeah. I don't know. She's she she submitted her article to be peer reviewed. I don't think it got peer reviewed, but darn. Um, so what could he be? It's the big question, right? And guesses of what exactly he could have been are all over the place. I've seen anything from Neanderthals to aliens, um, aliens, because everything goes back to aliens. But one of the most convincing or believable options. 
that is he is a relative or a direct descendant of what was known as the Gigantopithecus. So the Gigantopithecus is believed to be an extinct genus of ape. And this is the largest primate in the fossil record. Gigantopithecus? Yeah. And if you Google him, I am. <laughs> he looks like Bigfoot. <laughs> um, this was once thought to, this creature, this genus of animals, was once thought to have lived anywhere between nine and one million years ago. But new research says that they could have existed as late as 100,000 years ago, which would mean they would have existed alongside of humans. Oh, um, oh. Yeah, they oh. lived in Southeast. They lived in Southeast and Central Asia and are a relative of the orangutan. Uh, Bigfoot's potential to the orangutan is pretty clear, especially when you examine uh, Bigfoot's distinct red fur and long arms. Orangutans also have similar teeth to humans, make howling calls, and tend to live solitary lives all of which are characteristics of what we now have come to know as the Bigfoot. Uh, If it is, you know, related to the Gigantopithecus or if it is like a distant or descendant of the Gigantopithecus, they likely would have walked over the Bering Strait land bridge. So just as humans did um, and moved into the Americas when that was open. Because, you know, if they were in Central and Southeast Asia, that's very different than like if they were in Africa. That's a, that puts you a lot closer to that land bridge. Um, you seem very focused over there. <laughs> yeah, because they it literally looks like an orangutan. Yeah, right. Um, I'm just so obsessed with all this because like I'm <laughs> like I've always just kind of like disregarded Bigfoot as like ah, but now that you're like explaining these, I'm like there are some viable theories here. I know it's it's interesting. It's interesting. And you talk about like Gigantopithecus little gigantopithecus and we are it's so easy to fall into the trap of hubris that like we know yeah we know humanoids mm-hmm. we know like mm-hmm. neanderthals versus like all the, like yeah. we we say we know this but like yeah. the dragon man they found well, like yeah. you're Literally, always finding like, new stuff sometime this oh, i a couple days ago they found a skull of what they think is a new like species of human-like creature which they're calling the dragon man yeah um which like, but it's different than Neanderthals and Homo sapiens, so it's like, oh, crazy. You never but, know. Um, so uh, what's interesting, you know, we have these howling calls similarities, and that's what Bigfoot is known for. And orangutans also tend to live solitary lives, so solitary, in fact, that they can often go, like, decades without ever seeing another member mm-hmm. of their species. That's And crazy. Bigfoot is known as a solitary creature, so oh. you have some of the same behaviors. I would not do well in that situation. Um yeah. So, but, you know, it's it kind of comes down to could something like the Gigantopithecus have existed undetected for over 100,000 years? Maybe. The woods are big and huge and an intelligent being could probably hide in them. We have not, you know, humans have not conquered all of the world yet. Yeah. Um, They're still answering. Even though the white man really tried. <laughs> The white man kind of <laughs> got really close there. Um, but there is an example of something like this happening. Of course, it was in the ocean, so it was, you know, not exactly the same because mm-hmm. we've definitely discovered or co- covered less of the ocean than we have of the forests. But the coelacanth is a great example of something going undetected for years. 
So the coelacanth is a fish that was originally believed to have gone extinct 65 million years ago in the late Cretaceous period. However, in 1938, they found one living and swimming off the coast of Africa. So, okay, well, it's like, if you, that's what freaks me out about sharks. <laughs> Genetically, how old sharks are. I know, it's also, like alligators. Yeah, like, they're, they're freaking dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Like, they're literally dinosaurs. Or how long that whales if, can live, or how, like, some species are, like, biologically immortal unless you mess with them. Like, is it lobster and jellyfish? I think it's lobster. I know, I think it's lobster. I think it's lobster. I think yeah. jellyfish are like that too, though. Yeah. But like, are they? unless you yeah. mess with them, they're basically biologically immortal. I know, immortal. that's insane. Also, like, Dragon Man's That's called. a Dragon Man. Yeah, you see that, yeah. That ridge on the his brow eyebrows. ridge, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. Um, it's so cool. So, yeah. Uh, that's Bigfoot. Uh, to crazy. wrap up, I wanted to talk about uh, either Bigfoot-like creatures that live in other parts of the world or relatives of Bigfoot. And so these are all the different that I could see in different countries. Of course, you know, every culture has like different names for them and blah, blah, blah. But yeah, here are like the big prominent ones. So obviously we have Sasquatch of North America. Uh-huh. We have the Yeti, which is found in Himalayan mountains. Mm-hmm. We have the Almas, which I talked about earlier, which is Russia. We have the Bar Meno, which is in the Middle East. We have the Bukit, Tuma, Monkey Man in Singapore. We have the Chuchuna in Russia. Another one in Russia. Okay. Uh, we have the Fook Monster in Arkansas. <laughs> we have the... Arkansas got their own. Love it. <laughs> we have the Mapin... Oh, God. This is hard. Mapinguari in Brazil. We have the Skunk Ape in, a skunk ape in Florida. And we have the Yowie in Australia. Okay. So... All of those are described as big, hairy human creatures. I mean... And that's the whole world, basically. The yeah. only one we don't see is Africa. And I thought that was interesting. And I think it's because there's actually apes there. Probably. <laughs> and so they're like, no, that's just a gorilla. That's <laughs> just a really big gorilla. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's Bigfoot. That's crazy. Good job. I'm Thank just you. Staring I'm pretty at, proud of myself. I'm, like, staring at all these, like... You, you've got me hooked. I'm going to spend all day at work, like... <laughs> During my uh, free time when there's no one in the house to tour, like, I'm just going to spend the whole time, like, Googling footage. <laughs> I know. It's really interesting. And, like I said, I think I said it in our emergency episode, but the Man vs. Wild guy. Oh, yeah. His Bigfoot show. I think I think it's the Man vs. Wild guy. Um, But he has some of, like, the best, I think, like, actual show. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Man vs. Wild Spirit Grills. Oh, what's the other one? survivor no no no. survivor man yeah survivor man the survivor man has a bigfoot series and it's like a limited series i think it's only like six episodes hmm. but it's like some of the best like I, he takes it like very seriously um hmm. I like that it's not a joke so if you ooh, don't play don't play don't play um <laughs> if you are interested in that kind of stuff or like want to watch a good show that's what i've seen that i really thought was like actually like legitimate um there's like you know finding bigfoot on animal planet or whatever Mm -hmm. Uh, i've watched a few episodes of that it's very scripted yeah (laughs) Um, so i don't know so you know you take your bigfoot content especially nowadays with a grain of salt but i still think survivor man of the ones that are like on tv is probably the best one that i've seen uh, I'm sure there's people who know so much more about it than I do. And I, I mean, my dad and my grandpa both like, like 
super into Bigfoot. So yeah. well, and as we say a lot of the time, like a lot of our topics could have their own podcasts in and of themselves. Oh, absolutely. We're giving and Bigfoot you recaps. Has several yeah. yeah because like there's one my dad listens to it's really like people just write in and tell their bigfoot stories yeah and like their encounter mm-hmm. stories and it's super interesting and all that stuff is like very and i think it's it's different in that setting yeah because it's just someone writing into a podcast they're not really getting any sort of fame or recognition right for that and so i think that kind of like makes people be more genuine yeah and those are the stories that i'm more willing to believe than like finding bigfoot like hearing noises right. in the mountains you know right but yeah i don't know i i love was that a little intimidated by bigfoot but i think it ended up in a good spot no so. I, I really i and it was very yeah. And it was an empirical look at it, which is nice. Thank you. And I tried my best to, like, put together a history because, like I said, n- nothing really did. Yeah. And I was like, please, I just need to know. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. No, that was that was great. Thank you Thank for you. teaching me about the actual, like, not just, like, I saw a Bigfoot once. Like, yeah. yeah. That makes it very, I, more, very much more valid to me. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know. There's, like I said before I started, I don't not believe in him. Mm-hmm. I think there's, a, the again, the most convincing thing is, like you said, that there's so many stories about a yeah. similar thing. Well, and that we um, don't also just don't know. Like, yeah. history. Like, mm-hmm. if we find, we just found a dragon man skull. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> who knows? It's like, you know, it could be the case that he did, he was around for yeah. a long time in the Americas and they went extinct because things yeah. go extinct. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's it for us today. Yeah, we're glad you stuck around to hear two very different stories. Um, we're gonna have fun titling this one. Yeah, we are. Um, <laughs> give uh, us, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you'd please, like. Please, we always please. appreciate it. Every review on Apple Podcasts puts us. Wait, we should do something big. What's a Bigfoot theme one? It's Bigfoot. It's fur. <laughs> that gives a fairy its wings. What? It, uh, what's that? Those commercials called like Messing with Bigfoot. I don't know. The Jack Links. I don't know. Every Apple Podcast review gives a Bigfoot more beef jerky. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> That's a good one. If yeah. you know those commercials, you'll know what I'm talking about. Otherwise, sorry. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, Apple Podcast, please. That really helps us out. Um, Follow us on Twitter at T-I-N-A-H-L podcast or tweet at us if there's something you want to hear about. Yeah. If you have a Bigfoot ca- encounter yourself, let us know. That would be so cool. Yeah. Send us an um, email. Send us an email. This is not a history lecture at gmail.com and we'll read your Bigfoot encounter on air. Yeah. We, that would be super Maybe Cool. maybe just like i don't know the first like three but yeah i'm not like we're gonna get any <laughs> yeah i don't know many people are in our viewership that have experienced bigfoot but if you have we'd love to hear it we'd love to hear it maybe your grandpa did i don't know um yeah yeah this is just Please. a friendly reminder that this has not been sorry <laughs> i was are expecting you, okay? you to go into that right now <laughs> anyway go for yeah, it this is just a simple reminder that this has not been a history lecture Bye. Bye. <laughs>